0: well hello everyone and welcome to another edition of a live stream sunday school for akron alliance fellowship church in akron ohio we appreciate you being here today my name is melvin gaines we're going to allow people to jump on with us and get started uh with music from anthony brown and the fellowship choir choral they're singing the song praise him but we appreciate you being here today thank you so much for being here and uh my dad and Delia. Good morning. Thanks for joining me today. Right in the next room. <laughs> Anitra, thank you for being here. Good morning. Good morning. We appreciate you being here. Let me turn the music up. There we go. Thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> Amen. Good morning, good morning, everybody. I got it on my mind, too. For all of the good things he's done. Somebody called him. Bless his savior. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Thank you to Akron Alliance Fellowship being broadcast on the big screen there. the big screen hopefully it's working (laughs) just like anything else though if for some reason you miss anything that goes on during the live broadcast you're welcome to pick it up later it will be online and available for everyone else and it will be available on YouTube sometime tomorrow as well Hey, Ronnie. Good morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here this morning. A very, very nice day here. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Amen. Brother Roscoe, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Jesus is worthy of our praise. We're going to be talking about Jesus this entire Sunday school session. Amen. <clears throat> Pardon me. Amen. Appreciate you being here. <laughs> okay, this was, um, I'm going to go ahead and cut that. This is, um. Anthony Brown with the Fellowship Choral, praise him. Um, That was pretty much the end of the song. But uh, we appreciate also, thank you, uh, Brother Arlen, for the music for the morning as well, too, because we do value that while we allow people to get their connections going and get online and uh, grab a cup of coffee, whatever is necessary. Um, For the record, I have had a cup of coffee already, too. Uh, But for the sake of space here, we're going to use what we've got um, and not worry about doing something silly like spilling a cup of coffee all over my paperwork. So I just keep things nice and neat right here. Um, we appreciate you being here this morning. We are in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We are here for uh, a bit of a respite, but we don't take time off away from church. Amen. We still want to participate and be in the word no matter where we are, or what we're doing. And that's, that's the very thing that we were talking about. Um, A couple of Sundays ago about being missional and and being missional as far as uh, what we do and where we go. We're still uh, professing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, Ann. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for being here. Ann and Larry, uh, good morning. Um, And so that's what we're continuing to do here and having a good time and having great conversations, spending time in devotions, doing all those things necessary to stay in the Word every day. You don't take a day off from from doing those very things it's very important to stay focused on that you don't know what the lord is going to teach you uh you don't want to miss out on that and that's something that i have been very convicted about just making sure that uh, i'm surrounding myself with scripture staying focused on what the word says and and the reason for that is because we have a lord and savior jesus christ who Uh, has done so much for us and and basically continues to do many things for us as well, too. That's exactly what the song was saying about giving praise to the Lord and Savior because he is worthy of our praise. We need to learn and make sure that we're praising him as often as necessary because of what he's done for us. Let's do some uh, housekeeping and do some announcements here. Uh, Pastor Gus will be presenting the message at church today. Um, and that message will be available here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline sometime around 11 o'clock for those of you who are in Akron and for those of you who are online as well too uh, you'll see Pastor Gus's message. Um, We will be back next Sunday in church for Sunday school um, as planned and continue to do the live broadcast. We'll be doing it from church next week, not from a remote location like we are today. Um, please remember your tithes and offerings. Please be prayerful as far as your worship through giving, uh, praying about what your contribution is going to be. Again, it's going to be essentially as if you're you know doing your tithes and offerings right at church. We appreciate you giving consideration to that for those of you who are not attending church Please mail your tithes and offerings if you are away uh, from church to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you giving consideration for that, and thank you so much for doing so. Um, it is much appreciated. There are many different opportunities we have to be ready and available and prepared for those who have a need at church. We want to be able to provide those things. And your tithes and offerings with prayerful consideration will take care of that very issue and today now that we've covered all that because we want to get started with sunday school because um i was convicted do i do part of this lesson or do the entire lesson i think it's important to do the entire lesson today we're in the book of john uh, chapter 19 uh, verses 31 through 42 and we are literally covering right between the time when jesus uh died on the cross, and the interim events that took place before his resurrection. But we want to cover these things because what you're going to see in this passage, in the passages we're reading, um, John is giving us a record of what is taking place at that time as a fulfillment of prophecy. And I want you to see that because we, we need to make sure that we are giving an account of the legitimacy of what Jesus has done for us, the way that he made the sacrifice for us, and the way that the Old Testament, with its numerous uh, statements of prophecy, uh, are reflecting and showing exactly uh, why this happened the way it did, down to some very minute details. And and that's something that we have to see too. So it, it takes away any ambiguity about what Jesus did for us from a historical perspective as well as from a spiritual uh, perspective as well, too. That is going to be the focus of today's lesson. And we're going to be even looking at some passages in between uh, as we go um, to, to look at the account within the other Gospels as well as uh, within passages in the Old Testament as well, too. So we appreciate you being here this morning, and we thank you for being here. We're going to try to get through this Sunday school lesson and be done by about 20 after. Uh, so that's the focus of the time element to make sure that we are staying in line with what our church calendar is for the day. But um just want to let you know how much I appreciate every one of you uh, for just staying focused on the Word and making sure that you're doing everything you can to um Be prayerful as you go too, praying that as you read the word meditate on that the spirit speaks to you. That's what has to happen. So we're going to go ahead and get into the lesson today. So let's go and go ahead and do so. And I thank you again for being here. And we're going to now get into the lesson with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. And we thank you again for this time. Lord, we thank you for the ability for us to sit down wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And now just sit quietly and hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for how the Spirit speaks and speaks often and encourages us as we go. And Lord, as we have conversations um, amongst our own loved ones about things that have happened recently and conversations about people who uh, have since passed on this year, we've had these conversations and Lord, we recognize that of the importance of every person involved having this relationship with you so that we have the assurance that you indeed will present eternal life for us. And we thank you for that. And it's all because of what you did on the cross for us. It's all because of what you have completed. When you said it was finished, you meant it. It was indeed finished. It was finished where you overcame death You overcame the sins and took on the sins of the world for us so that we might indeed have fellowship and eternal life with you. May we always focus on those things. When things aren't going well, when things are difficult, may we always circle back to how much you love us and the love that you've shown us. And Lord, we thank you for the documentation in Scripture about the legitimacy of everything that you've done. We want to give you all the praise, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 31 to 42. And we're going to look at um, this passage and read through it. Uh, We read from the New Living Translation, as always. But we're looking at how, we're going to be looking at a a lot of things. The focus is on where Jesus had his side pierced and 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 then he was buried and there was kind of a rush to do this because of the timing of what was taking place and this is going to be actually revealed to us too in scripture when john writes about it and uh, frankly gives an account so let's go ahead and start with reading the entire passage and we'll go back over it as we normally do john chapter 19 verse 31 please follow along in your version It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath, because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men, crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. Verse 35, this report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say... Not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one they pierced. Verse 38, afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night, He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, They laid Jesus there. Okay, that is John chapter 19, verses 31 through 42. So we're going to focus on some things as we look at this particular section of Scripture. Uh, We're going to focus on the fact that there were things that were very specifically done and that occurred during this period of time. This is even after Jesus had died on the cross, where prophecy was still being fulfilled. And... It's rather extraordinary when we're talking about something like this and looking back at the scriptures and how we can look at numerous areas of scripture in Psalm 22, Genesis 22, Isaiah 53, especially when we talk about Jesus, and Leviticus 16. How many different prophecies were being fulfilled just in this section here? Um, And making sure that we recognize that too. I think, if I'm not mistaken, last week I'm pretty sure that we had mentioned about When Jesus said he was thirsty before he was given the sour wine, that was a fulfillment of prophecy in Psalm 69, verse 21. So just little things like that, little details that we see in going over this passage. We want to make sure that we are recognizing, I I keep coming back to the word legitimacy, legitimacy of what Jesus did for us, the fact that he did these things, the fact that They were already foretold, the very details, the very minute details of what took place on the cross as he was taken down from the cross, as he was being buried. All of these things are are being uh, covered here and are covered. And after we get done with this chapter, we get to a very glorious time, which we will cover next week. And that's going into the resurrection phase. But let's focus on this here. Let's go back to the top of the passage Verse 31, it was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Their bodies could be taken down. Then their bodies could be taken down. And in verse 32, so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. And Let's point out something about this particular section that is worth noting. Um, as we had mentioned in the past, without you know getting it, it, crucifixion is a very cruel death. It is something where you are looking at how those who are put on the cross they actually were on a cross and they're hanging from this tree portion of the cross. But there's like a little platform that's near the area where your feet are, where the feet are. That could hold you up um, uh, as you're on the cross. You weren't going to be coming down from the cross, but it's a way, honestly, just to, I guess, promote the agony. You're still you're still having a hard time breathing. You're having a difficult time doing that. Well, what happened when they talk about breaking the legs of the, uh, if they were still alive on the cross at that point, and they were on the cross for hours, if I'm not mistaken, um, And but if you break their legs, they can't hold their legs up anymore. Um, And that would basically ensure um, that they would have indeed, uh, uh, they would be suffocating. They would suffocate because they couldn't hold their legs up anymore. So for what it's worth, that is something that we want to pay attention to and recognize here. But when they got to Jesus, uh, verse 33, when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead, dead. So they didn't break his legs. And... But what they did do, in verse 34, one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. And I'll just mention verse 35. This is the report. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. Believe in what? The fact that it says in the passages here that uh, Jesus says not one of his bones will be broken, and they'll look on the one who they pierced. And the flow of blood and water. If we look at what that represents, of course, we talk about blood and water. Blood and water. Of course, we recognize our are, are symbols of life, and Jesus uh, often referred to himself as the living water. Water is used to purify and cleanse. Blood is used to what? The sacrifice of blood, the shedding of blood, was used to what? To atone for sin. These things are are all interconnected they're connected together and it was interesting to see that um he didn't not he didn't just represent uh who he was with the living water he also represented himself too because his shed blood was the only way that we could have atonement for our sin and so we see the representation of blood and water together that came out uh literally piercing the side with the area near the heart um, And the sack that surrounded his heart, that's what is understood to have happened at that point. Um, But we recognize that he had already died for us. He had died, but we see the representation of the blood and water. John makes it a point for us to know this and see this. He wants us to recognize and understand the importance of this aspect of what Jesus had done. And we need to understand, too, that the prophecy of about the bones being broken as mentioned in verse 36 here and they'll look on him who was pierced in verse 37 i want you to take a look at a couple of passages to affirm what's taking place here let's take a look at psalm 34 it's important to look at these passages psalm 34 and this this just brings to mind when we're talking about the Old Testament and Old Testament passages. Um, people who focus on reading just the New Testament by itself uh, and not going back and looking at the Old Testament where you're missing out on so much when you do that. Um, the Old Testament gives us prophetic messages about the coming Christ. And we have to see that. Uh, let's look at... Um, I don't know if I said, I think I said verse 20. Verse 20, Psalm 34, verse 20. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. And that is, again, the prophecy speaking about Jesus, where the other people on the cross, their bones were broken, their legs were broken because they were still alive and they eventually suffocated. But because Jesus was already dead, not one of his bro- them is broken. That's something they would have done or they would have tried to do or to take would have to take place in order for Jesus to finally um, succumb on the cross. But he already had done so. So his bones were never broken. And we also want to refer to Zechariah. Go to Zechariah uh, chapter 12. Zechariah, Zechariah 12, verse, verse 10, verse 10. And this prophecy is interesting because it's actually covering, uh, not just what took place here on the cross, but it's also going to refer to, um, When he returns, uh, that's the the neat thing about this particular prophecy in Zechariah 12, verse 10. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they pierced. Whom they pierced. Remember what Thomas, you know, Thomas was one of the ones that was really kind of scuffling um, after Jesus said, died on the cross and then when he returned he had missed his first uh the first time he came back jesus seemed like jesus came back for him uh the second time around to make sure that he was aware of what was going on because thomas had declared until i see the hands that are pierced and hands that were uh where the nails went into his hands until i see the piercing on the side i'm not going to believe and jesus came back and showed him those very things had taken place i told him believe now and believe and and understand that um, I think we had this conversation very briefly yesterday, uh, talking amongst ourselves. You know, we I, I think I, I was giving Thomas probably when I was younger a, a bit of a questions like why are you Why are you questioning you know the fact that Jesus died on the cross? Why are you questioning? Why are you waiting to see these things? And the reasons we're all different. We we all have different ways of recognizing and believing who Jesus is. And some of us will take him at face value. And some of us will have to see the evidence of that this was very apparent when he uh, had his mission on earth he he performed the miracles for what for many many people to believe in the power that he had the ability that he had the fact that he was the messiah Um, some people believed on their own based upon what eyewitnesses told them but we all are different and we have to recognize that we have different ways of processing this information um the, the prophecies in the old testament point us in the right direction, saying he is the one to look to. He was indeed the Messiah. He was the one that was appointed to come, and he fulfilled his mission and purpose on earth because God had sent him to do that very thing. And we can look back at the prophecies that report those things. I want to make sure, too, as we get now into verse 38 in this particular subject matter here. um, I'm going to read verse 38 back in John chapter 19, verse 38, because this is the second part of this lesson here. It's approaching the time when Jesus is going to be buried. Verse 38, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. Now, I want to point something out here um, about how, even even when we look at what Paul says about what took place, let's cover this part first. I want you to take a look at First Corinthians fifteen. the The account of the gospel is wrapped up in what took place. In the gospel of, and Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And understand that, of course, he uh, was the the, the apostle who had the different encounter with Jesus on the the road to Damascus. But he's giving an account here. Uh, Let's start with verse, well, let's just read verse 1. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter Corinthians 15, verse 1. I'm going to take it all the way down to verse 4.
1: Now, brothers, I want
0: to clarify for you the gospel I proclaimed to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You are also saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you. Unless you believed to no purpose... For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You notice how he's referring back to the scriptures each time. He's referring back to what God's word is saying to us and giving an account and giving us this information so that If someone has a question about what Jesus did, you can actually point to this passage and say, according to this Bible that we hold near and dear, because it is the account of God's word, he did what he did according to the scriptures, that he had died for our sins, he was buried and raised on the third day. We're going to get to the raised on the third day part uh, next week when we continue the lesson. But we see that these accounts are being given to us to reassure us of what Jesus did for us. And I think it's important for us to see that we, and make sure that we're communicating that. And understand, too, when we look at the section here about verse 38 in John 19, we have the account of an impartial party. The Roman soldiers were the ones who verified the death of Jesus. Remember, there were some people, some people get kind of weird about what Jesus did for us. Some people might think that he had passed out and, you know, eventually he woke up or something like that. Well, that's not dying. That's completely different. Um, His death had to be verified because, remember, the Roman soldiers were coming to break the legs. And so they had to give an account back to Pilate about this. I want you to take a look at Mark chapter 15. Something that I've um, missed before, but I want you to understand that this is very important. Mark gives this account. Mark is the one who kind of gives the account. Um, I, I I hesitate saying Clifton's version. He he gets the documentation as far as what what truly happened and just makes a note of it and records it as if he were a reporter, as if literally as if he were a reporter. He's just reporting the news or something like that. Um, so let's go back and look at uh, Mark 15, verse 40, 43. Let's start there. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went in to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Verse 44 Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had already died. When he found out from the centurion, he gave the corpse to Joseph. It's important for us to see that there were more than one eyewitness. There were a number of eyewitnesses, including the Roman centurions, who were very expert at this. They knew exactly what to look for and what to take into consideration. And again, there was a little bit of urgency here because Joseph of Arimathea wanted to get uh, Jesus down and... Because he couldn't stay up on the cross, there is a, it was against the law, uh, the Jewish law, for a person who had been uh, executed to stay on the cross overnight. That's actually in Deuteronomy twenty-one twenty-three. So they were working with time, and they wanted to get this all done before sundown by the end of the day. Um, we can, by all accounts, we believe that Jesus died approximately around three in the afternoon. But they had to get all this stuff done in a hurry before um, uh, before time would run out and get to the point where they were going to be doing the preparation. To, it was the day of preparation, preparing for the Sabbath. They wanted to get it done very quickly. So these things all took place. And it was not just, well, we need to hurry up. It was urgent. They wanted to get it done. The one thing they did not want to do, especially in the case of Jesus Christ, is to violate the Sabbath or, or do anything of the sort. So the timing was important. But the Roman soldiers would have to corroborate this that it took place, and that's exactly what took place here. Joseph of Arimathea was a secret disciple of Jesus, back to verse 38, because he feared the Jewish leaders. But it came to a point where he had the gumption. uh, He, um, and also Nicodemus, which we'll read about in the next verse here, um, they became bold and said, we're going to go ahead and get this taken care of. We're going to get Jesus down from the cross. Remember, everybody else had scattered. All the other disciples had scattered. They had uh, taken leave of the place. They, they did not um, really, who knows what was going on in their heads at that time. They were obviously very confused. They didn't really quite understand what had been taking place over the past several hours. They were struggling with that. We know that Peter struggled greatly for it. He was, um, um, of course, beside himself uh, with grief and disappointed in his behavior. Um, we know that John was there because he was giving an account as well too, but I, I think he was one of the only ones that was like in the, in the vicinity at the time when Jesus died on the cross. But he makes it a point to tell us about, back in verse 35, it's reports from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He doesn't say who the eyewitness is, but we do have eyewitness accounts from the very Roman soldiers, the other people who were there. They observed that Jesus had died. Okay, so let's go back to verse um, 39. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made for myrrh and aloes. And I want to stop there and, and refer to this section about what was taking place with um, making sure that these these myrrh and aloes were being provided, which was a way of uh, embalming. It was a way of, of making sure that the body was being preserved, where Jesus would be wrapped in this linen and they'd have the um, myrrh and aloes. We can speculate, they typically... First of all, we know that because of what the, Egypt, the Jews, when they were exposed in Egypt, they had learned about the importance of caring for one's body after death because they believed um, that that person eventually would be raised up again or God would raise that person up again. And so they took very great care to make sure that uh, a dead body was being well cared for. There's no account of what happened to the other uh, two on the cross who had already died. We only have the account written here about what happened with Jesus. And when Nicodemus had provided 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes, um, it's believed that they typically provided the quantity. We say 75 pounds. Well, that's relative to... Uh, the weight of the person who was being buried. We we can speculate. They typically brought about half of the uh, about half of the weight of the person in the in the myrrh, the aloes, the spices, whatever it was that they would put and wrap the body with. So we can guess, and it's only speculative, and that's why I say this very carefully because uh, I make sure that it it is in line with what was customary back then. To bring about half of the half of the weight of the individual himself, so we can guess that that Jesus is around 200 pounds. That's a normal body weight for a person, um, but it's it still. But they were still rushing to get this done, right? So we're talking about uh, why wasn't it 100 pounds? Well, first of all, that's that's a lot to carry and that's a lot to do, and and when you're in a hurry trying to get some things done. Um, I guess they just grabbed, uh, Nicodemus grabbed what he could get a hold of and get done and bring it over. It's very specifically mentioning this. Why do we need to know about 75 pounds? Why do we need to know these things? We need to know what it took and what was involved in the process of of making sure that we were seeing that Jesus's death was legitimate. These things were being done for the purpose of preparing him to be put uh, into the grave. And, and that's what took place. And so we... We have a, um, an account of this very thing. And, well, let's talk about Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus because who are we talking about? These were members that had high esteem. We just read that in the Jewish community. They had in Jewish leadership. Um, Nicodemus and Joseph are both members of the Jewish High Council. They were very prominent in their leadership, but they were kind of hiding A little bit because of the fact that we know that many of the people involved there, if you had made yourself or declared yourself to be a follower of Jesus, they would throw you out. They would excommunicate you. But they decided at this moment to come out of hiding. And let's just look at it for what it truly is. And I I thank my lovely bride. She's putting uh, in the notes some things to reference, because there's no way, that's right, there's no way I can cover all of this stuff uh, in a 40-minute class. You have to kind of go and look and do some digging. I do recommend for everyone online, I do recommend that you get uh, a commentary, uh, something that you can refer to with study notes for your Bible so that you can have an account uh, of what is going on here. And I appreciate uh, my lovely bride doing that because that is important. She's uh, my handy-dandy assistant working behind the scenes here, um, responding to things that I say. <laughs> and sometimes I just want to make sure I'm saying things correctly. Um, but she's taking, helping us to fill in some gaps here. You should be taking this. Uh, go back and look at it again uh, later on. For those of you who are in church who can't see us for whatever reason, uh, you're welcome to go back and look at it. But also take your your study Bibles with you and, and look at the commentaries and and see what is referred to here. I can't cover everything. I can cover a lot of it, but not everything. But let's go back to Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea and what they had done and how this is important. Understand something. They were observing all the things that were taking place. You remember back in John chapter three how Nicodemus was asking questions about Jesus and what was going on and Jesus was talking about the living water at that point. And you have to believe that in this ministry over this time, um, Jesus' public ministry was only about a couple of years, a couple, three years tops. And at the end of the day, he made an impression on these men. He made an impression on their lives. He made an impression from the standpoint that they now decided, because of what had happened, that they were going to believe in Jesus, believe what he said, and now take action. Do what was necessary to get everything taken care of for the sake of the, uh, for Passover, um, for the Sabbath, all those things were being done to make sure that they were being obedient, obedient to to the law. They they looked at Jesus for who he was and recognized that he was the fulfillment of the law. That's what they did. Um, let's talk about this being secret followers of Jesus. Secret followers. I mentioned before that they were secret because of their position. Um, they, You can make an argument that they wanted to maintain that position or maintain that authority, but I think it really came down to the fact that they were really just trying to ponder who Jesus was and let's face it they may have just decided right at that point when Jesus died on the cross the way he did what happened surrounding all of that they may have just said you know what Jesus is the real deal he is the one we need to follow and that's what made them much bolder about who they were now what was happening before that Jesus came out. Nicodemus came out to see Jesus at night they didn't he didn't want to be seen that's in John chapter 3 verse 1 And he tried to make a statement to defend who he was uh, in John chapter 7, verses 50 through 52. Let's turn to that, just as a reminder. John chapter 7. So we're going back in John. John 7, verses 50 through 52. These Pharisees were there and they... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They always, have, they always had a smart answer for, for <laughs> when everybody, when any, whenever they were challenged about anything. Verse 50 of John chapter 7. Nicodemus, the one who came to him previously, being one of them, said to them, Our law doesn't judge a man before he hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? And of course they answered, You aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied, Investigate and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So that was their answer to Nicodemus, and again, Nicodemus was was trying to wrestle in his own mind who Jesus was and was making a comment, but it was all about fulfilling justice and making sure that the right thing was being done, but we know exactly what the Pharisees were all about. They wanted to make sure they wanted to condemn Jesus and convict him, even though he was innocent of a crime. It was the, the greatest miscarriage of justice you could ever imagine. And, you know, and the Romans prided themselves on being they were ruthless, they were tough, um but they prided themselves on being just. Uh that's something that we recognize from their history. But in this case too, Pilate washed his hands of the matter, didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore, um threw the matter back into the hands of the Jews, left uh left it where there was no decision made to convict or condemn Jesus, but He was already condemned in the eyes of the Jewish leaders and and the people who were involved there. So that's essentially what took place. And and Nicodemus was trying to challenge the the Jewish leaders there, the Pharisees, to do what was right and do what was appropriate. So at the end of the day, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus risked their reputations to do what was necessary and provide for Jesus' burial. And I think the application here is that, you know, we have a lot of people who are believers in Jesus, but kind of keep to ourselves sometimes. And that is something that I'm going to challenge you. I don't care if you are the most, um, if you speak, uh, if you don't uh, feel confident in speech, or if you don't necessarily want to uh, say things or do things that are helpful, um, I'm going to challenge you. That you need to be more vocal about your faith. You need to be more vocal about uh, who Jesus is in your life. You need to be able to say these things more often to people. Um, and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words necessary when you're speaking to people. I, I, can, I get being shy. I don't, don't misunderstand me. I totally get being shy. I understand what that represents. But there comes a point where even in your shyness, you're going to have to trust in what Jesus is saying to you. And you're going to have to trust it to repeat those words to others, especially when uh, God compels you to do so. The Spirit compels you to do so. So Joseph and Joseph and Nicodemus, um, they were trying to hide their faith, but sometimes you're just going to have to step out of hiding. Sometimes you're just going to have to say things that are going to be uh, to put you out there for the purposes of declaring that Jesus is Lord of your life. And that it's important for others to recognize that as well, too. So I want you to get that. I think that's important for us to see. So look at the example, for those of you who are shy, of how Joseph and Nicodemus stepped up big time to make sure that Jesus came down from that cross. They were proactive in going to the Roman leadership, going to Pilate, and getting it done. So, back to John 19, let's go to verse 40. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. Now, we, I had a note here where this was the Jewish burial custom. This is something they may have learned from the Egyptians when they were in captivity in Egypt, but this is what they did, and they went to preserve the body as best as they could because they believed it was important to treat the body especially well upon burial uh because they also believed that there would come a point where um we would be raised incorruptible um and that is something that we want to and they were giving that uh, giving that to God to make sure that that took place but that was what had taken place here and so he was wrapped in the spices but they did it quickly they did it very hurriedly because we're going to find out later on, too, when it was done so quickly that the the, the ladies who came back to the tomb um, were bringing additional spices <laughs> to uh, try to continue to finish the process. So it was being done very quickly. Now, look at what happens here. If you look at verses 41 and 42 in John chapter 19, the place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before we don't know why there was a new tomb there we don't know what the reason for that was but that tomb was probably a cave carved out of the stone hillside and that is what many of these tombs that we talking about they literally were above ground and they were talking about how they were part they were either carved out of rock a lot of the tombs in the Old Testament we, we talk about when we look at um, Isaac, Jacob and back in, that day, back in the day, a lot of the tombs that were created there were literally tombs that were carved out of rock or carved out of the side of a hill or whatever it is. And that is how people were buried. And it was large enough for a person to walk into. So Joseph and Nicodemus carried Jesus' body into it. And then, of course, we learn later on that a large stone was rolled in front of the entrance. And they went further. Of course, we know the Roman soldiers. So they went further. They were given orders by the leadership there to guard that tomb, uh, which is not accounted for here in John. It's accounted for in other uh, the other areas of the uh, of the gospel, uh, but between the other writers as well too. But but John is giving us the important points to pay attention to. What is he telling us to pay attention to uh, about how Jesus' body was treated? The bones weren't broken. The spear did pierce his side. The flow of blood and water, which represents very important aspects of what Jesus talked about. The blood to atone, shedding of his blood to atone for sins. The water, he was the living water that flows out. That's a water. Water is used to purify and cleanse. So we have to see that. And then the further accounts come down about this was an eyewitness report. Then we go further down in the reading here about how Pilate gave the account, had the account that Jesus had already died because the Roman soldiers, one of the centurions, uh, addressed that. Um, Nicodemus came out, provided the, the, the myrrh and aloes. It was done according to Jewish custom, the burial. So we talk about Jesus dying. He did die. It was testified to that. There were witnesses to that account. And he was put in a tomb. The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb. That's verse 41, never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. You don't put somebody in a tomb who's alive. Amen? You, you're using the tomb. The tomb was being used. So we have this account that John is giving us, eyewitness accounts of what happened to Jesus. He did die on the cross. He did pay the penalty for our sin, the shedding of blood. We know all about the shedding of blood. Uh, We recognize that, that he was beaten, he was shedding blood even before he got to the cross. But all of that bloodshed was for the purposes of making sure that we understand the account and we, we have that where he was wrapped in these linens, he was given the, the spices and the myrrh, um, and so we recognize that Joseph and Nicodemus, as children of God, we recognize that even though our bodies are corrupted, we will be raised in incorruption So, and we'll be raised with a glorified body. So, these are the things that we understand when we talk about what it is to be with our eternal Father in heaven and that we're going to be raised incorruptible, we're going to have new bodies. But they had a very high regard for treating the body that was present uh, there and making sure that it was well cared for. You have to understand. War is very cruel. You know, you hear about people who are being thrown into unmarked graves. There's no account given as to them getting any special treatment. They literally are just dumped. And that is something that has happened throughout history. So it's important for us to even see this detail as well, too, about the linen cloth, the clean linen cloth, the spices. It was a big deal. It was an important detail. You only do those things when we have someone who dies. We only have those things that take place because we recognize that um, Jesus fulfilled and performed what he was going to do. And when we get into chapter 20 and we get into that part of the study, uh, that's going to be a glorious time for us to read and study together because we recognize that Jesus had fulfilled what he was uh, called to do by his heavenly father. He did exactly what he set out to do. And now the Ultimate fulfillment, the resurrection was is next to follow, which we'll be looking at in the study. Everything is in its place. I love that saying, there's a place for everything and everything in its place. And this account should assure every believer that Jesus fulfilled what he said he was going to do and set out to do. And that's the greatest lesson that we have here as we look at this particular part of the study in between his death on the cross and before his resurrection. Everything was done according to what the prophecy said would take place. And that's just a a huge reason to say amen and amen over and over again. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your goodness and thank you for this teaching. Lord, may we be drawn to your word and compelled to your word where we go back and even look at this once more and go back and look at passages that affirm and confirm Your very word to us we thank you for how you teach us through the spirit and we thank you for your encouragement thank you for reassuring us that what we do and how we trust in you we can believe it because you have said it and you have done it and lord we thank you for the faith that is required to be able to process all of this information we know that without faith we can't please you And without faith, we can't understand what is happening. But we thank you for how you give us this necessary faith to believe and trust in you. Lord, help us to remember this all day long and in the future. Your goodness is ever-present. Your teaching is timely and beneficial. Bless us and keep us, Lord, and we thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for those of you who are able to join us today for our edition of live stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here. God bless you and take care. For those of you online and are not able to go to Akron, uh, stay tuned on this uh, timeline here, the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page uh, at about 11 o'clock for the live service. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.